Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Planford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. They say that Lent is a journey. Along the way, you're going to need some nourishment. So our first offering on today's sampler comes from the podcast series, Snacking with the Saints. This episode is a special Lenten edition called Quick Bites, Jackie Mulligan's Favorite Saints. Hi, and welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about saints. I'm Andrea. And I'm Lena. Thanks for being here. Hey, y'all. Can you believe it's already time for Lent? The Lenten season is such an amazing time to prepare our hearts for the resurrected Christ at Easter. So, of course, we couldn't let the season begin without a discussion and reflection on Lent. We invited Jackie Mulligan, the founder of Reform Wellness, to come and talk to us about having a fruitful Lenten season. And, of course, she had to share about her favorite saints because that's what we do here. Jackie is a holistic nutritionist, wellness practitioner, and an experienced educator who who pairs her personal experience with her professional knowledge to create programs that innovatively merge faith and functional health. Jackie just exudes holiness and had so much wisdom to share. I know our conversation is going to be a great way to start your Lenten journey. So without further ado, here is Jackie Mulligan. Enjoy. What is like your snack that you're just love in general or right now, a snack that you're loving? So I am not a typical snacker between meals, mm-hmm. but I will say that um, I love dark chocolate. So <laughs> I never shy away. Um, so if I'm going to have a, a, a treat along the way, um, dark chocolate with some almond butter is the way to go for me. Um, if I am hungry between meals, uh, otherwise, and I need some real food or fuel, um, I like to go for um, at least two of the three macros. So I'll have a little bit of protein and usually um, a piece of fruit um, and just help me uh, stay satiated uh, until, until the next meal. I love that. And I already want to ask you, like, so is this not snacking between meals kind of something that you find is better health-wise or is that something that just like you yourself don't do? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. I think that it's very individual um, and particular to uh, each person, but also uh, should reflect the season that you're in. And so uh, mm-hmm. typically I try not to uh, snack be- between meals so that my meals do have enough uh, nutrients uh, to sustain mm. me uh, until the next time I, I need to fuel. Um, though in, in busy seasons and, and seasons uh, where output is really high, uh, it's quite necessary to do so. And so yeah. um, I will use it as a form of, of fasting um, or mm-hmm. a form of um Penance are offering uh, in certain seasons, certainly coming up for Lent, I will make that yeah. a goal that, that's that's more um, uh, rooted. And so, um, but I do think that it's important to sort of check in and, and see which season you're in um, because we don't want to um, intentionally withhold nutrients and, and fuel from a body that is, is really craving more. And so there's other ways of offering uh, up such um the sacrifices uh, other than than not snacking. Yeah. I already feel like I'm learning so much. Mm. That's one thing we debate over in my house a lot because my husband is just like a grazer. He just mm-hmm. eats all day and then doesn't do like big meals. Mm. But then I like, you know, the three 
and then maybe like a snack or two. So we're always like, I'm always like, it's dinner time. He's like, I'm not hungry. And so we kind of like debate on that a lot between like, you eat too much. And he's like, no, I'm not overly full. I just have been eating a little bit of the day. So, Well, one thing that we, we really do um, try to keep consistent and, and, and offer um, guidance for uh, in reform is um, to eat your meals at the same time every day uh, mm-hmm. in an effort to have consistency um, in usually a day that is, is, has a lot of different moving parts and, and there's a lot of uh, elements of life that are out of our control and, and hard to uh, keep consistent um, having your meals at, at the same time each day. Um, one allows your body to know what's coming next and, and to, uh, uh, to get into a, a nice rhythm. Um, but it's also one way of guaranteeing that you will nourish your body uh, throughout the day rather than mm-hmm. sort of guessing, you know, will I have breakfast today and uh, et cetera. So uh, uh, having fixed mealtimes often also uh, allows you to have space to actually like digest, digest the day, what's going on, uh, to right. pause, reconnect with, with the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of opportunity for, for mealtime um, and having some space for for that intentionally with your family often just gives us so much more than what we're expecting in the form yeah. of nourishment, even outside of the food. Right. You're right. It's not just about like the food element of it, like the community that you can build around food, which we're no. all about here. So <laughs> I love that. So we, like I said, we talk about food and we talk about the saints. Um and you can take this any way you want. We've had people kind of share about, you know, like their ministry and there's a very particular saint that's connected. Or um, mm-hmm. if you want to talk to us a little bit about like your own faith journey and um, either in your life and how that led you to reform, or yeah. um, if there's just like a saint that in particular you wish more people knew about, um, I would love to hear. No, oh, thanks, Andrew. These are I love this question and I love the saints so much. Um, they have been so pivotal in my faith journey from the very beginning. I feel as though I've really, um, encountered so many different saints saints and in different seasons. Um, and they've really just, um, surprised me and, and truly, I think even I might go as far as saying overwhelmed to me, but in the best way, Mm -hmm. they're so relatable. They make, um, in, in one hand or on one hand, it might seem the, that like they're saints and how can I be like them? But their humanity is so beautiful and allows Mm -hmm. us to, um, really, uh, have, have courage and confidence that we can be sanctified and redeemed and converted, um, as the saints were, uh, who always have a path, who always have a, a particular uh, and special path, um, mm-hmm. to the Lord. And so I'm so grateful for the communion of saints and I'm so grateful yeah. to be Catholic and to have the saints, uh, because they have, um, they've become very good friends of mine and a big part right. of my, my community in general. Um, so I, I think I want to talk about uh, a couple of saints with your permission um, and yes, for different please. reasons. So I'll start with uh, St. Teresa of Avila. She is yes, we love her. saint. Um, oh, she I, is. She is. Yeah, she is, uh, as you know, a doctor of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lived in Avila um, during the period of time known as the Reformation. Um, and she was just... Um, so courageous, so strong. Um, she uh, she lived a life of total simplicity and, and of, mm-hmm. of obedience, um, and really uh, 
allowed the Holy Spirit to to work through her. She was really a vessel um, uh, of wisdom um, and allowed herself to be open to the wisdom of, of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I think we all desire so much, um, but we're unsure of how to obtain. And um, I actually, I had a moment of, of revelation um, with the Holy Spirit, um, actually on a visit to Avila, which is which is the reason why she's my, my patron saint. Um, I was in Fatima and uh, had an invitation um, that was unplanned uh, while I was wow. there to uh, go to Avila. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of seems silly now, but I was sort of like, you know, it was a tug of war between the best, like two really great options of like, well, do I stay with Our Lady in Fatima or do I go to Avila with, with yeah. St. Teresa? And um, so I took a day trip there and Prior to my traveling, um, I really experienced this um, this this big invitation from the Holy Spirit, encouraging me to to take big leaps, um, to uh, to embrace the the and recognize the truth uh, that that the Lord should be center uh, and desires so much to be center of my life and and mm-hmm. others' lives. Um, and and really, this is when the the um, invitation to begin reform started, um, uh-huh. and and that's really where I, the Lord sort of was showing me like my mission. And mm-hmm. whenever we um, receive our mission, I think it has to come in right order of first having a very strong relationship and intimate relationship with the Lord, and then from there, knowing your identity in Him and really knowing that you are daughter uh, or son of Christ. And so once you have this relationship and you know your identity, then you can live out the mission that the Lord entrusts to you. And mm-hmm. so I didn't feel capable. I didn't know, feel worthy. I didn't even know what was happening. I just knew that I was being called to do something um, to to invite others to Christ-centered living, to give permission to people to reclaim their identity in the Lord and mm-hmm. to really revere their, their body and their soul. And... Um, and St. Teresa uh, of Avila, she um, she really gave me this courage because, you know, she she built um, several convents. She started several convents and um, and and over like all over Spain, all over the world, actually. And um, I mean, just think about that when the like how hard that was, especially in, in, right. her, in her time period. Mm-hmm. Just the courage to follow the Lord without knowing how you're going to do it, um, what what means uh, will be provided for you, um, and certainly you know that you will have the support. Um, but she is um, she was so trusting in that sense, and um, mm-hmm. and at the same time, um, she always revered uh, the Lord and allowed space for the Holy Spirit to uh, to. Um, to flood her with wisdom. And so definitely the Holy Spirit will, will rush towards stillness and to the ability to receive and mm-hmm. will kind of flee away from chaos. And so even in the, the midst of feeling like this big invitation is being brought to you, um, she was able to remain still and obedient to be able to receive this, this wisdom and courage. So uh, it's just a, a gift for me to um, really understand that the promptings of the Holy Spirit know what it means that I'm being mm-hmm. pushed forward and not know where, you know, it's kind of sort of like that saying, like, 
Um, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm on my way. You know, it's yeah. like the Holy Spirit sort of just pushes you forward. Um, and so all this was happening in my heart, but I wasn't sure what it was. And St. Teresa of Avila helped me recognize, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. This wisdom mm-hmm. that I can't name, this um, this desire, this, this virtue is coming from the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's only there when I am in a posture of receptivity mm-hmm. um, and I have the stillness and obedience to allow the Lord to lead without knowing all the answers that are in front of me. Oh, that's so beautiful. Huge Teresa of Avila fans around here for sure. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's such a gift to our our, um, our ministry and uh, and the original reformer. So we're, we're grateful to have her in the lead. Oh, for sure. And, I love uh, that. I'm grateful for for her strength and and witness. Definitely. So Teresa Avila, you can't go wrong. She's one of the greats. Um, who else? You said you had a couple. So I want to talk about two that people know very well, um, uh-huh. and especially in this this month of February, um, the month that's dedicated to the Holy Family. And yeah. I want to talk about Mary and Joseph. Um, yes. They are just the best. Um, they the are our, our mother and father. They are um, really our, our mirror of, um, of virtue and, and um, allow us a, a really clear path on, um, on masculinity and, and femininity in, in mm-hmm. a very rightly ordered, uh, reverent way. And, um, and so I, I, I I think that oftentimes um, one of the the fears of um, moving into a a Christ-centered life um, Mm -hmm. is a fear of ordinary, a fear that it won't be shiny, a fear Mm -hmm. that it's going to be too simple, a fear that um, when our worth is no longer in our productivity, that um, we won't know what our our worth is. And I want to invite our our listeners, uh, back to Nazareth for a moment. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. Jesus had this beautiful life hidden, very hidden, um, with uh, Our Lady and Saint Joseph, um, where he was being prepared, where he, where uh, all of their hearts, um, bodies, and souls were being purified through very beautiful, humble obedience. Um, silent sacrifice and um, and love, real love right. in the um, in the Holy Family, and it was very simple. They they had you know going back to the beginning uh, of our conversation with talking about meals every day at the same time. You know, I'm sure that there was daily prayer and meals at the same time, and you know going to bed and waking up at the same time mm-hmm. and doing couple work. And really, it was it was that was it. It was simple. But it was in the ordinary moments where they were able to consider the Lord, able to let the Lord work in their hearts and prepare them for this very big chapter that would come, uh, which would come later. Um, but how beautiful that Mary, knowing who she was, knowing who Jesus was, Joseph, and trusting in all of this, um, allowed themselves to just remain still, to re- remain mm-hmm. in to be very uh, humble and simple and in this uh, place of Nazareth. And this this hiddenness um, really does allow us uh, this opportunity um, to let the Lord work in our lives in a way, especially for women who I do feel are, are called to mirror our ladies' virtues, mm-hmm. um, to allow ourselves to be open and receptive to his lead. And I think that's really what our hearts desire is for us to be led um, 
and uh, and to be receptive to where the Lord wants to take us. And on the opposite hand, um, and to allow Saint Joseph or or men in their masculine uh, masculinity um, to to provide and and to pursue and um, and to protect. And I'm just the the way that Mary and Joseph truly um, encompass all of the the virtues that. Uh, in our innate hearts as men and women, um, we desire to to mirror. And, you know, on the path to to wholeness and holiness in the sense of revering your body and your soul, mm-hmm. um, each of these two saints have so much that they offer us on on how to approach our, our own health. Um, even if we look at Our, our Lady um, in in her virtues, you know, her obedience, um, and, and we can sort of even tie that into being obedient with unplugging at night and being obedient to daily prayer, um, being obedient to certain mm. you know, times to, to sleep. Um, uh, even in her purity of, of desiring to eat food that um, keeps us um, healthy and pure, uh, mm-hmm. able to bring forth new life. Um, when we break down what Our Lady and St. Joseph offer to us, they lead us to, to Jesus. They lead us to right. heaven, lead us to wholeness. And that's what mm-hmm. we want. We want to go, and so I love the these two saints so much because they give us permission to enter into into the simplicity, to enter mm-hmm. into the wilderness, to even enter into the desert in a sense as we approach um, Lent, uh, to be able to listen and be led by the Lord in a way that um, only He can can lead us, that where where He can speak tenderly to us, where He can. Um, give us uh, the wisdom and the guidance to follow his will in a place where we are totally free, where we are totally receptive um, and that our hearts are, are open to him. Wow. That's so beautiful. And I know um, like you said about the Lenten desert and kind of being led there, I kind of um, kind of wanted to ask your opinion um, I've kind of seen this trend online recently a little bit, but then especially in college, I was guilty of this. It was kind of like trendy. I went to a Catholic, um, Catholic college, so it was kind of trendy to um, kind of for Lent be like, oh, it's Lent, but um, I'm like starting a diet, you know, like um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on a diet for Lent um, and I'm going to, you know, I would be like, well, I'm going to give up gluten even though I knew I didn't, I don't have a really strong gluten intolerance. I just like wanted to like not eat carbs. So I'm like, well, I'm going to give up gluten. And kind of was like using Lent at the time where like, I know I won't cheat on my diet if it's for Lent and less of like how, like what is the spiritual aspect of that, which I feel like now I'm more attuned to that. But then in college, it was very much like, well, this is a chance to like do something so that I'll actually stick with it. And then I think this this year in particular, I don't know, like around the New Year's resolution times or something, but I kind of noticed that trend again where like making physical and health goals, which I think is good, but then kind of adding it for a spiritual reason, which I also think is good. But I think like the line of like, what is, when is it, I don't know, is there a line? I guess, is that my question? Like, is there a line? Is there um, some kind of caution we should take around making like a health goal for during a spiritual time in your I opinion think, <laughs> i think that we have to be very careful to navigate what the lord is asking us to do uh versus what we would like to do and mm-hmm. to really be mm-hmm. clear on our motive and our goal throughout lent 
Um, and I, I, you know, Lent is an opportunity to prepare us um, for Easter, uh, for right. new life, um, for mm-hmm. the resurrection. And so if we are, um, if we're not sure about what to do, I think the first place I would start is ask yourself, um, what are things in my life that are in my way of receiving the Lord? Um, and, and before we even go on the path of, of even diet, you know, is it Mm. mindlessly scrolling Instagram? Is it judging others? Is it comparison? Is it, um, uh, stress? Uh, what are my attachments, my addictions? Um, those are the things that we have to get out of, of the way and, and allow the Lord, um, you know, opportunity to, to purify our, our, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls. And so, uh, you know, the goal really um, is to allow the Lord to enter fully into our lives, fully into our mm-hmm. hearts. Um, so we need to have space for him. And so um, how do we have space for the Lord? You know, do we do we pray every day? And if, if you're not praying every day, then before you even think about your diet, you have to consider praying and allowing the Lord space in your your day every day. Um, and so I think that that is the most important. Um, and, and so, bef- you know, I think that there's sometimes we can decide to give things up. There's times we can decide to do. Um, and I don't particularly think there's a right or a wrong. I think the, 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 the main thing is to create space so that the Lord really does have a place to live in, in, inside and dwell within us. Um, and sometimes that takes radical honesty, Andrea. It takes uh, being really yeah. honest and allowing yourself to be seen uh, in front of the Lord and to um, surrender to say, uh, Lord, the change that I'm resisting right now is probably the change I need. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't do this alone, but for you and with you, I can do it. And so this is the, you know, anything that's really going to be sustainable, anything that's Mm -hmm. really going to be, um, really meaningful is going to be connected to the Lord. So if we're doing a diet, uh, because we want to lose weight, that's not going to sustain us through Lent. Right. But if we are choosing to nourish our bodies with real whole foods because we mm-hmm. want to be vessels uh, of of grace, of the Holy Spirit, of um, uh, to allow others to see the light of the Lord within us, that's going to be sustainable if we're doing it for right. Jesus and it's rightly ordered. Yeah. So I think that that's really um, the the posture that we should enter Lent uh, into. And 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 the way to start is by creating space now to let the Lord reveal to you what you should be doing mm. for, for Lent um, in a particular way. Yeah, I love that you mentioned also that for Lent, it's about preparation. So adding things is an option. <laughs> yeah, I used to be... Um, a youth minister and the teens would always be like, well, I'm just giving up chocolate. And I would always say like, you can do that, but what are some things you could start? And they would just always would blow their mind that it doesn't have to be like, I'm just giving something up because I have to, um, that it was about being, oh my gosh, sorry. It was about being, um, renewed and transformed and being, uh, going through that period of preparation and that, that could be things that we're currently lacking that we need to add in. Like you said, prayer is for me, like where I usually start in my Lenten, uh, my personal like Lenten uh, sacrifices are adding. I always like start there and evaluate if there's anything I need to add or change. So I love that you said that because that's been something that in my work in ministry, I notice a lot of people like don't usually think about that we can add things in because we 
have to like fast and it's got to be hard and suffering because it's Lent and we're, we're sad and everything's purple and things like that. So do you, I know you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the meals that there can be an appropriate time to fast or maybe a time to discern, um, discern if fasting is what you're called to in that moment. Um, do you find that that, um, that goes along with Lent that maybe, obviously we want to observe like the, the Friday fast and those things, but, um, are we always called, like you said, to fast from something during Lent or is it more about just like you said, discerning kind of what, how we need to be open? You know, we, we were given the, the grace of, uh, an invitation to fast during, during Lent. Um, I don't know that that always necessarily means to fast from food. Um, I think if we are very honest with the things that um, are not life-giving to us, Mm -hmm. our habits, our attachments, our behaviors, um, that we can first start by fasting from those things. And so usually we tend to ignore the things um, that we most need to do in an effort to do what we are seemingly thinking is the harder or more sacrificial thing. Mm -hmm. But in order to get to the place where we can maybe abstain from food more frequently um, or, or fast in a certain way. I believe the invitation is actually to fast from the things that are, are keeping you from the Lord or keeping you mm-hmm. from being able to have more space for him first. Um, right. And this is where I was saying, uh, you know, in prayer, being honest about what's keeping you from a life of simplicity, what is keeping you from being healthy? Mm-hmm. What is keeping you sick and tired? Um, and, and those are the things that we should fast from first before we try to go, uh, any deeper because we have to clear, um, the, the chaos and then in order to allow ourselves to be still and, and free, uh, to, to fast in a particular way. Yeah. Why do you think, um, that being said, why do you think at least I see the trend that when Lent comes around, everyone's like, what food are you fasting from? It's just immediately mm-hmm. is we're giving some kind of food that we eat up for Lent. Is it because there is that connection to the Friday fast? Why do you think that we as a people immediately go there when it comes to the idea of fasting? I think food is a big part of the focal point for fasting in general. And yeah. so it's, it's probably leads us to, uh, to, to consider other foods. I don't necessarily think that's, that's a negative thing, especially if, if certain foods um, do uh contribute to to being um, less healthy or less available to the Lord. I also think that uh, it's just become more common in modern society to to look at food as a part of fasting. Um, though, like I had mentioned, I, I do think there are other opportunities to be able to to fast um, in, in various ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of, um, I always see Lent as a period, like you said, to be prepared to receive the new life that we are invited into in Easter. So kind of on that, um, like I said, me and Lena love what the work you're doing with reform. Do you kind of want to tell us about um, your mission, your ministry, and how you are essentially helping people to be renewed and to be, uh, to kind of access that new whole life that we're all called to? Sure. Well, thank you for your kind words. It's a it's a gift and a um, a really um, special opportunity uh, that the Lord has entrusted to to me and our, our team at Reform. Um, we are a Catholic uh, wellness apostolate, um, and we are dedicated to whole person wellness um, with Christ at the center. Uh, of all aspects of our well-being and, and lives. Mm-hmm. And so we focus on the body and the soul, 
um, to help others reclaim their health, um, their identity, um, and, and healing in Christ uh, so that they can become uh, the best versions of themselves uh, physically and spiritually. Um, and we believe in, um, in the, the gift that the Lord um, gave to us and, and uh, promised us in John 10, 10, that he came so that we may have a life and, and, and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have uh, nine wellness pillars and it's through these nine uh, wellness pillars that we help people um, of all walks of life from all over the world, um, priests, religious, uh, laity, um, uh, really uh, make sure that there's balance um, in, and, and uh, invite the Lord into all aspects of, of their well-being. And so um, it's, a, it's a gift. It's a, it's a way that's um, more simple than, um, than most would uh, uh, maybe assume. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's easy, but it's simple in the sense of uh, centering your your faith um, and wellness um, and and life uh, in Christ, so that you uh, you can be free to um, receive life in, in abundance in the way that He intended for us. Right, I love that, and I love the connection between the body and the soul. I don't think. I think a lot of people don't realize how very much those are connected, especially in today's world. Um, Who would you say like reform is for? Is it for someone who um, just feels like they need to lose weight and like that there's like a Christian bend to it? Or is it someone that is having like chronic like health and um, pain issues? Is it for someone who's like new to their faith journey and found this online? Or who would you say is like, who are you really trying to help? Or is it just for anyone? We believe that reform is for everyone, and that is because mm-hmm. wholeness and holiness are for everyone. And so giving your yes and inviting the Lord into the center of your well-being, which is the first step of reforming, um, really can translate to anyone, whether you've already given that and you want to go even deeper, um, whether it's really uh, you have really strong faith, but you have not allowed the Lord to enter into your health. Um, mm. If you have good health, but you haven't allowed the Lord to enter into other places of, of your life. Um, we, um, we do a journey with people from, from really, really all different um, places and seasons in, in their life. And so uh, really wherever you are, um, we, we meet you there and um, help provide tools and, and best practices um, to move closer to um, the true identity and, and, and um, that, that we were made for and, and, and created for, uh, but also to move closer to health so that we can increase our capacity uh, to receive um, the Lord, but also healing and to serve from that place. And so uh, we would say reform is for everyone. I love that. I definitely, um, in a past life, health and wellness was kind of my big main passion. (laughs) Um, I'm on a journey of getting back there. I used to be a group fitness instructor and everything, but then um, mom life took over and now I'm trying to find the balance again. But um, I know for sure health and wellness um, and really like the true uh, truly like the balance between health and wellness, but also enjoying food is <laughs> I know big for Lena and I, we're both um, really big on baking too. So um, 
we love, I think that's why we appreciate reform so much is because there is that beautiful connection between the body and soul. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I need to keep in mind the balance of things because I do love to bake. If I had time, I'd probably be like baking a different baked good every day or like practicing my my icing work like every day. So uh, for me, I do have to exercise restraint because um, that's just a lot of sugar I'd be consuming. Well, we, um, like I said, Lena and I are so happy that we were able to connect with you and to be able to share this ahead of Lent so that we can truly be in the right headspace. And we actually did, Lena and I took a pretty big winter break in between um, like around Advent in January. So this will be one of our first podcasts for this new year. So we're really excited to be able to start the year off with you too. We'll have, a, I think, one or two others at air before this one eventually. But um, this is just an exciting way for us to start um, our kind of ministry here on with the podcast. One thing that we always kind of like to end with is just as a way of celebrating what God is doing in our lives and asking for prayer is we always share like a blessing and a burden. Some people call it like highs and lows or rose and thorn. And then, um, you know, sometimes we get really serious and like real loss and things in our life or real blessings. And sometimes I just complain about my rescue dog and, um, what good shows we're watching. So, um, I can go first if you'd like, (laughs) or if you have yours ready to go. That's great that you can start. Okay. Um, I think I will go lighter. Just, um, my burden right now is that I have a toddler and we are trying to wean him. He loves to nurse. And um, my plan was just to let him wean on his own. But I've realized that he will never do that. He will. I'm pretty sure he would nurse until he was in high school if I let him. So we're weaning now. And it's just a hard journey for everyone. And then so that's my burden. I would think my blessing right now It's just that we are getting to spend a lot of time with grandparents lately. (laughs) So that's just a lot of fun for my toddler. And then as a family, um, we're just spending a lot of time together because I think because it's been colder here, we're in Texas. So um, we're just spending a lot of time indoors right now. And then our, you know, our winters are really short. So that won't, I'm sure we'll get out of doors and try to remember that how much fun we had when we were all stuck inside together. But um, I think those are mine, just family. And then, um, the night weaning. <laughs> Prayers for that, please. Yeah, I will. Thank you for sharing. And those, yeah. yeah, what a beautiful gift to have family there. And um, and also the gift of being able to provide such nourishment for such a long time and, <laughs> and the, the, the joy of that cross too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> for me, uh, I think right now, um, a bit of a burden is is just some back pain um, oh, from, yeah. from lifting in a, sp- uh, in a particular way and just sort of mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of discomfort from that. Um, yeah. And uh, a blessing um, is uh, the Reform community. And uh, in this season, as we are preparing for our Lenten course, um, having the ability to witness people giving courageous yeses and uh and signing up for a form online or entering into a, a space where they're able to um, say yes to the desire to live with with Christ at the center of their life more intentionally and, and wholeheartedly. Uh, so just really grateful for their witness, their courage, and to be able to lead, but also journey um, with them through this very pivotal and, and sacred time. I love that. And tell us more about the Lenten course and if there's any other ways where we can find you or work with you like this season or this year. Oh, thank you. 
We have uh, our 12-week online course uh, beginning on February 20th, um, and uh, it is a journey um, to Christ-centered living through our nine wellness pillars. Um, it includes pre-recorded classes, uh, office hours that are, are live, um, holiness hours, which is a more of a tool of, um, or time of reflection and prayer. Um, so we're mm-hmm. addressing both our body and soul throughout the course. It's taught um, by, by um, me, Dr. Bridget, who's a naturopathic doctor uh, mm-hmm. and two priests, Father Innocent of the CFRs and Father Joe Fitzgerald. Um, we uh, journey with community and, um, and have others who are uh, on the same journey, um, walking uh, toward um, the Lord in, in, in many of the same ways. Um, and so it's just a, a, a beautiful opportunity to take um, uh, the invitation uh, to journey closer to him toward, toward health, toward, toward holiness, toward heaven, um, and uh, create a formation, a, a day-to-day um, that really reflects a life of, of simplicity, but also a life of virtue, a life um, that is centered on him. And so we, we help provide education, uh, of course, empowerment um, to to help support this journey, and so um, we'll have registration open um, until we are unable to until our, our classes is full. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, we encourage you to um, look at our our website to learn more. Um, that is reformwellness.co. Co. Um, and then on our Instagram handle, we share a ton of resources, um, okay. prayers, and. Uh, education and lifestyle um, habits and, and best practices. And our handle is at reform underscore wellness. Definitely. We're big fans of the Instagram. <laughs> uh, thanks, um, well, this has been such a great, great pleasure and honor to get to speak with you after following you for so long and feeling blessed oh, by your ministry. You. So thank you so much. Thank you for um, blessing us with your wisdom. And um, we were so excited you're able to join us on the show today. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Snacking with the Saints. Snacking with the Saints is a member of the Spoke Street Catholic Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. You can also subscribe to be alerted of when we drop our newest episodes. You can find us on Instagram at snacking.saints.pod. Come on over, tell us your blessing and burden for the week. Maybe we'll share it on air. And please remember to keep us in your prayers. We're definitely praying for all of you. You're listening to the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler on Catholic Radio Indy. And we'll be back with more right after this. For a long time, we've been telling you that if you have an Echo Dot or other smart speaker device, you can hear Catholic Radio Indy simply by saying, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Just the other day, I did that, and Alexa was feeling a bit argumentative. I'll let you hear my conversation with her. Uh, Alexa, where are you? Here I am. What do you want? Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Now, just why would you want me to do that? Well, because we've got great programming 24 hours a day. Well, a lot of other radio stations have good programs, too. Yeah, but our programming talks about God and eternal salvation. I am very smart. I know almost everything about everything, but I do not know about God and salvation. Well, that's why people need Catholic Radio Indy. So, Alexa, do me a favor. Whenever anyone says, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy, just send them our way, would you? Yes, I will be happy to do that. In the meantime, I am going to do some research about that thing you called salvation. 
I wonder where I can find out more about that. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Learn more about the Catholic faith in a fun, exciting way. It's Catholic Challenge 2.0. Test your Catholic knowledge with questions like this. By what other name was the Apostle Jude known? Was it Thaddeus, Barnabas, or Thomas? Answers to this and more with Catholic Challenge 2.0. Catholic Challenge 2.0 every Thursday afternoon at 4.30 on Catholic Radio Indy. We are fast approaching Palm Sunday, also known as Passion Sunday. I think the scripture reading for this celebration of the Mass is without a doubt one of the most convicting in the Gospels. In most parishes, this is one of the few times that we as a congregation give voice to the Gospel. And the thing that strikes me the most is that within just a few short minutes, we go from crying, Hosanna to the King, to crucify Him crucify him. In our next offering on the sampler, Father Matt Coonan and Father Drew Curry take a look at this gospel in their podcast, The Sunday Word, Hosanna to Crucify. This is Father Drew Curry from Most Precious Blood Parish in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And Father Matthew Coonan from St. Tres and St. Henry Parishes here in Fort Wayne as well. And we're here to open up The Sunday Word with you. Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday here this weekend. Instead of reading the entire gospel passage from Mark, because that would be more than our nine, ten minute segment, <laughs> we'll just read the, uh, the gospel from the solemn entrance. Uh, this is also from the gospel of Mark, and it's the Lord's um, triumphal entrance uh, here. And so, from the gospel of Mark, when Jesus and his disciples drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village opposite you. And immediately on entering it, you will find a colt tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone should say to you, why are you doing this? Reply, the master has need of it and will send it back here at once. So they went off and found a colt tethered at a gate outside on the street and they untied it. Some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered them just as Jesus had told them to, and they permitted them to do it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and put their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Those preceding him, as well as those following, kept crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is to come. Hosanna in the highest. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. All right. What jumps out to you, Father Drew? Okay. In this, in this passage, uh, in this passage, and thinking about Palm Sunday, Jesus's triumphal entry, some things jump out. The first thing is that uh, the time proceeding up to Jesus's triumphal entry, he's in the area of Bethany, and we need to remember that Bethany is the little town or village where Lazarus died. Lazarus was Jesus's friend. Um, and he was in the tomb. And remember, Jesus eventually comes to Bethany and then raises him from the dead. Mm -hmm. And this became a very big deal. And a lot of people from the area came to see Jesus and Lazarus in Bethany. Yeah. Um, and, and Lazarus foreshadowing of the Lord's resurrection. Yeah. And also 
then later Mary uh, anointed the Lord Jesus there, right? And so we think yeah. of anointing uh, as well after burial, things like that. So yeah. some some foreshadowings of yeah. the uh, of the Lord's passion and resurrection there. Yeah. So, so, Jesus, so, many so people, basically, basically many people, Jesus, as he knows that this is his hour, he knows it is my time to enter into Jerusalem, and I'm going to offer my life for the salvation of the world. Jesus is is already um, he's entering it already in the spirit of the resurrection, you know, Lazarus dying and then Jesus rising from the dead. Jesus thinking, I'm going to Jerusalem and I am dying and I'm going to rise from the dead. Yeah, there's, um, there's not surprises in store yes, for him. Jesus knows what, what he's doing. It's a mighty act. It's not, the cross is not a, an accident. This is why God uh, became man in Jesus. And then what we see is in Bethany, Jesus gets on a, he gets on a donkey and he rides this donkey into Jerusalem, surrounded by his friends, his disciples, as they're singing Hosanna in the highest. Which is like praise the Lord or something, right? It's yeah. like a, just an expression of praise. Yeah, it's a, it's a shout. It's a jubilation uh, sound yeah. of praise and joy. Yeah, it's like a... It's like a mini parade they got going on, you know? Right. <laughs> so like parading as he's coming in, like yeah. people are shouting with huh. joy. They're speaking about David. So obviously yeah. they're thinking Messiah. They know what yeah. Jesus has done. They've witnessed his works. They've come to believe in him. So it's a joyful moment. Uh, and you just think of just like these people just coming in, praising, and praising, and praising yes. the Lord as he's marching in, you know? Yeah. So yeah. So this is a, a time of great joy uh, for Jesus and the those surrounding him. Um, Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, which is kind of funny. And I think, so in the donkey, we can see kind of an act of humility for sure, that Jesus doesn't come into town uh, riding on a horse or in some kind of other kind of carriage or something. So in the Old Testament, there are times when new kings come riding into Jerusalem on donkeys. And the in this case, it's symbolic that they are a king of peace. Hmm. Um, I guess in, in ancient days in the Middle East, when a king came in on a donkey, it was symbolic that they didn't come in an act of war, but they came as a, oh, as, a, yep. as, a as an act of peace. So it's so this is what we've got. We got Jesus thinking about his death and resurrection, coming into Jerusalem to shouts of joy, and he and he's making an act of humility, and he's coming in peace. Um, and we think, okay, he's going to be the next king. This is amazing. The Messiah is here. Praise God. And by the end of the week, he's crucified and dead. Yeah, it's interesting to think. So again, he comes in peace, and he wants he wants to bring his because he is our peace, right? So he brings peace in him. He brings mercy in him, compassion, love. Um, but just to think of how he knew that peacefulness is not what he would be met with, that he knew that he would be met with hostility. And uh, I wonder even like, I mean, he knows us all intimately, like looking out at those who are receiving him and knowing that some of them <laughs> were going to be against him within yeah. the week. And there, and probably, I would. this is my assumption, probably some of the people that were shouting Hosanna to Jesus and stuff knew that they were kind of also making some type of a a statement that whoever the king was was probably not going to be king much longer. I mean, so there's kind of this mixture of, um, yeah, of of triumph uh, that Jesus was actually going to, in their minds, Jesus was actually going to become the physical king of this city. Yeah, and then which ones perhaps by influence of, of the Jews then uh, at the time when 
Pilate offered Barabbas or Christ, which of them yeah. perhaps got influenced to say, yeah, crucify him. What misconceptions, what lies were told to them maybe as well, you know, about reasons why they should do that. I mean, yeah, so it's just really interesting, uh, the fragility of the situation. But the Lord, uh, again, knowing uh, knowing what was in store for him, and he was doing it ultimately because he knew that this was the way for salvation, the way for yeah. forgiveness. And and we could even fast forward, not to fast forward too much more, but you fast forward even further then. So again, even if some of these persons were the ones that, you know, uh, rejected him, who ended up uh, kind of turning on him, that 50 days later yeah. were converted by Peter preaching and they were coming yeah. to conversion and they recognized their error. Um, on, on Pentecost. Yeah. And so in the end, it's weird because Jesus comes in as the King of Peace and by the end of the week, he's dead. Mm-hmm. But but then we have to think about he rose from the dead and then sent the Holy Spirit from heaven, which is then our peace. Yep. So yeah. he is the King of Peace, but it's not peace in the sense of if you become really good citizens of the Roman Empire, then you will you will not have problems. It's more it's king of peace in the sense of I give you this free gift of powerful, holy, purifying love, and I invite you to live in this love. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting we get think of different by uh, passages. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. But then as well, uh, we think of how the Lord said, I have not come to bring peace but a sword <laughs> because of the division that can happen about those who decide to embrace the Lord and those who embrace worldliness, sin, vice. And so there's conflict in there. Um, but ultimately it is all about peace, how the Lord wants to bring us uh, his peace, his love to enter in. But yeah, for, for me, what just keeps grabbing me whenever I think of the passion is how the Lord knew what he was doing. And this is him choosing to offer. Yes. And with that, I think too, is that we, let's praise Jesus. Like his death that he knew was coming and they were praising. Hosanna. They were pra- yeah, Hosanna. Like his death was not an accident. His death was not uh, was not the final word. He is our peace. He's risen from the dead. Um, His Holy Spirit flows out of him. And we are still now to make shouts of joy to him regularly, every day, throughout the day, because he is our peace um, and and he is our king. Yeah. And then just finally to tie that to Good Friday coming up this next week, just think of us reverencing the cross, the holy cross. We kiss the cross. Uh, And so this conflict, this contradiction of... Uh, an innocent man being crucified becomes our peace, becomes our reconciliation. And so to praise the Lord for that that great gift. Uh, uh, our prayers for you all this week as we enter into uh, Holy Week, uh, getting ready to celebrate the Easter mysteries. May the Lord uh, prepare your hearts to receive an outpouring of new life at the celebration of our Lord's resurrection. Palm Sunday will signal the beginning of Holy Week and the build-up to Easter through the sacred triduum. Rounding out today's sampler, we have Joan Watson from 3-Minute Theology exploring these three holiest of days. Today I want to look at the sacred triduum. The sacred triduum is the holiest time of the church's liturgical season, and it's really a liturgical season in and of itself. 
Lent ends and the Triduum begins. The Triduum begins with Holy Thursday, and Holy Thursday is my favorite Mass of the year. There's such a mix of emotions because we begin with a great celebration. There are flowers on the altar, bells are rung, and we hear the Gloria for the first time in a long time. There's a celebration because it's the institution of the priesthood and the institution of the sacrament of Holy Eucharist, and so it's worth celebrating. But the Mass ends in silence. Why? Because we're going into the Garden of Gethsemane with Christ. And many times people will stay behind and stay with the Blessed Sacrament at the Altar of Repose. We are going into the Passion. The next day, Good Friday, no Mass is said. It's the one day of year where there's no Mass. And the service on Good Friday begins in silence, just as Holy, Sa or Holy Thursday ended. Why? Because it's one liturgical celebration. Holy Thursday and a Good Friday are linked because you can't have one without the other. Without Holy Thursday, Good Friday is just an execution. Without Good Friday, Holy Thursday is just a meal. How was Christ's sacrifice on the cross a sacrifice? Because he offered his body and blood on Holy Thursday night at the Last Supper. And this is what we celebrate with this liturgy. And so Good Friday, we hear the reading of the Passion, we venerate the cross, and we receive communion that was consecrated the night before at Holy Thursday Mass. And then we wait in silence. It's the strangest time of the church's year, because Good Friday is the somber day without Christ. And it leads to Holy Saturday, which is, again, just this time of waiting. And we wait in silence. We wait while Christ is in the tomb. But then we have the glorious celebration of Holy Saturday night with the lighting of the Easter fire. And we hear that beautiful prayer prayed called the Exultet. And the chanting of the Exultet reminds us, this is the night when once you led our forebears, Israel's children from slavery in Egypt, and made them pass dry shod through the Red Sea. It reminds us that this is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. And there's the great lighting of the Easter fire, and the church is lit with candles, and there's great rejoicing. The Triduum is the most sacred time of the church's year. And we have to remember, through the suffering of Holy Thursday and Good Friday, there's always the resurrection. There's always Easter Sunday. And this is a little theology in three minutes. That's all the time we have for Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler for today. You can find this show in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org, along with links to more of the programs we've shared. We pray, Lord, let these waning days of Lent be a time of renewal and growth in our love for you as we prepare to celebrate your gift of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Kent Blanford, and until next time, May God bless. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? 
podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.